I read your posts all the time. They're phenomenal. If anyone's not following Charlie on LinkedIn, please do that immediately. She writes a lot of great content on how to become a better seller, prospecting, cold call, cold emailing, video, mindset, all kinds of stuff. And one of your posts that you wrote really caught my eye, which was this idea that you've been having a lot of success um, pretty consistently over at SalesLoft. And what I wanted to do is really break this down step-by-step step for people so that hopefully they can learn from you and maybe not achieve your level of success, but maybe bring their baseline up um, a little bit. Uh, specifically for new sales development reps that are listening to this or people that are maybe a little seasoned but aren't really having the success that they think they can have. I think one of the best ways to learn is to just learn from someone like Charlie. If you want to get good at prospecting, follow Charlie. If you want to get good at martial arts, follow Charlie. I mean, all these things, guitar <laughs> maybe, but you know, you want to get good at something, even in your organization. If there's a Charlie in your organization, the fastest path is to surround yourself with that person and just watch what they're doing and just do it. There's no penalization for cheating, so to speak, in sales. So let's actually in the spirit of that and, and kind of looking over Charlie's shoulder, I'd like to just break down your process for what you do and how you do it. And then I'll probably dig in a little bit deeper, but let's actually start from the very beginning. Um, you're coming into sales loft. You've never sold to salespeople or VPs of sales before. Um, what's sort of the first thing that you do to sort of get ready for this job? Yeah. The first thing I did before even joining SalesLoft was I reached out to about, I don't know how many, I think I added about 50 to 100 sales leaders from the US, from the UK, everywhere on LinkedIn with the same message as well. So it didn't take me a lot of time. Hey, I'm going to be completely honest here. I'm joining a company. I have no idea about the sales as a persona. I've recently sold to marketing and IP analysts. And I'd love to get the opportunity, if you're willing, to just dig into your day-to-day -day so I can go into my role on day one and have a better understanding of your day-to-day. -day. So I did that. And the amount of people who were like, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So many people coming back and being so open and willing to talk to me and let me learn from them. So I did that and then had loads of calls with sales leaders and just got a better understanding of their day-to-day. -day. If they've heard of the company I was about to work for, if they have something similar in their company, and if they do have something similar, what was it like before they had it? So just digging into what their day-to-days are. And then on the way to learning that, they were using like certain languages, like pipeline coverage and all these kind of things, which I would then jot down. So then I can replicate that when I'm... And I'm talking, but I think that gave me loads of confidence going in on day one. I was like, I've spoken to about 20 sales leaders. They all say they want this solution or they have a similar solution. There's a great fit for this product in the market. And so came in with confidence, already surrounded with loads of sales leaders that I can then ask questions. I still ask them questions all the time now. So I think that reaching out to people, understanding their day-to-day -day and what their struggles are. And on those days where you had 20 people scheduled and you only talked to 10, you didn't want to talk to number 11, your mom said, hey, you're talking to the rest of them. Yeah. She chimed <laughs> in in your head. Okay, so what did, you, what did you learn during these initial calls about, I guess, the problems or the circumstances or the events that people experienced before they switched or maybe they didn't switch? Like, what did you learn there? I think the same thing came up that everyone... They don't, everyone's like randomly doing stuff. So I'd be like, how are your SDRs reaching out? And they'd be like, they do what they want to do. I was like, okay. 
And they would all say the same thing. Yeah, yeah, they do their own thing. They do their own thing, which is exactly what sales loft solves for, right? It just creates that process so you can get insight into, okay, if Billy here is the top performer and doing his own thing, what does that consist of? So whoever the lowest performer can then do that as well. So that came up time and time again. So going on day one, I knew, okay, that's a common challenge that every single person I've spoken to is running into. So I love this because I think it's the big missing piece that sales development reps run into. They're selling to someone and they've never done their job and they've got a lot of product training, but they don't really understand the job that the person's doing and the potential problems they have. And the simple idea of just creating a list not to sell or pitch or do a demo, but just to ask for someone's help. Um, it seems like you got a pretty good response rate to that. You learned a bunch. And I would imagine then it kind of opens the door for potential opportunities in some of these. Did that happen as a natural, yeah. kind of an organic a way in a, to some of these? Yeah, that introductions to people as well as I, I remember when I was going through my account list, I think there were three straight away that I had already spoken to. So I, I messaged them. And I was like, the stars have aligned, like your, your accounts in my name. You mentioned this, this, and this, when we spoke, like, let me know if it's a good time to talk. And a lot of them I'm still in conversations with, uh, which is nice, not just from a professional side of things, like wanting to hit my targets and things like that, but also a learning perspective. I reach out to so many people. If I'm trying out a new messaging or I'm trying out a new tactic, I'll ask them and be like, look, I'm trying this out. Would you reply to something like this? So great. So step, step one here is understanding the, the before story. You know, how can you get closer to the people that you're reaching out to, to understand their world and how they're getting the job done today and how they're currently solving it? Because no matter what you're selling, everybody's solving it somehow today, the best way they know how. And I think this is the yep. huge missing piece with all sales development reps is they've never done the job. So they feel a little off balance and unsure when they pick up the phone, if your company's not providing this to you and they're providing just product mm. training only, which is what I typically see most of the time, like 95% on product training, this is a great idea. You don't have to ask for anyone's permission. You can actually just reach out to people just with the intent of just like Charlotte said, just full transparency. I'm kind of new here. Uh, I want to learn a little bit more about my market so that I could better serve them. Would you be open to chatting? And I think, you know, send us some yeah. of those and some people will say yes, and you'll be able to start a conversation, not with the intent to sell them or pitch a demo or anything like that, but just to understand um, how they're getting the job done today. Uh, so I love that tip. Okay. Yeah. So, so you've kind of now get a sense of how people are getting the job done today and their current events and circumstances, how they're making progress. You, you seem like you're getting some themes. You're hearing the same thing over and over again. You're starting this lingo library of terms like pipeline and all the things you haven't heard before. So you can actually speak their language. Um, what's the next thing you do? Yeah, good question. I think trying out and testing ideas. So I was lucky, which we had a process in place for us at sales loss. So I obviously was following this, but while reading things and listening to podcasts and stuff like that, I'd always hear really interesting things. So then I'd start to A-B test things and try things out. So I think firstly speaking to people and then just going out and doing and testing things. So maybe you want to A-B test different cool intros. Maybe today I'm going to do this one. Tomorrow I'm going to do this one. The next day I'm going to do intro A, but with these two challenges. And the next day I'm going to do intro B with two different challenges. So just trying and testing out ideas. Lots of them failed. <laughs> I can definitely tell you that, but it's just kind of getting on with it and learning straight away what's actually landing, what's not. And you'll soon start to see a lot of trends and patterns that keep coming up. And then you can be like, well, this is working. Well, let's do this more. 
I love that because so many people get caught up in this information overload. They they read stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's satisfying to read posts and listen to Charlotte and listen to podcasts, but sometimes the learning stuff replaces the doing. So I love this idea of going out and trying some things. How do you organize your day though? You know, I guess someone that's had your level of success, there's a there's a process that you're following. I would imagine pretty consistently. Um, a lot of times I see people and their day is just like chopped up with the meetings and they, they can't really get into a flow and they're not really doing things consistently. Um, h- how do you sort of organize your day to set yourself up for, yeah. for success? So number one with the meetings, if I have me- too many meetings in a day and they're not necessities and they're going to get in the way of me hitting target, I'll message whoever it is running it and be like, is this recording? Is this a, necess- a necessity for me to go to? And am I right to skip this? So I actually skip uh, a decent amount of meetings if I think that I'm not gonna get my day-to-day activity done. So that, don't feel pressured to go into every single meeting. Also like catch-ups internally, I'll, I'll skip those if I don't think I'm gonna get my uh, day-to-day activity done. Then the next thing I do is in Sales Loft, I can literally just see what I need to do for the day in regards to prospecting. So the night before, I already have 10 people researched. So as soon as I log on, the most uh, time-consuming thing for me to do is videos because my brain needs to be working uh, for me (laughs) to create them, sharing my screen and stuff like that. But what I would do at first is I'd block out my calendar And I wouldn't just block out being like prospecting or cadence. I'd be really specific and be like, look, I have 10 videos today. They're going to take me about five minutes each because I've done the research. So I'm going to block out 50 minutes in my calendar. Then maybe I want a little break, 10 minute break. Maybe I'll play with my dog Mila for 10 minutes or take her outside for a little bit. And I'm going to literally plan my day step by step. So if I have like 20 calls to do, maybe I want to block out an hour to do them or really specific and I time myself when I do videos or when I'm doing email writing and stuff like that. So I know now how long everything takes me so I can figure out when I'm blocking out my calendar, how quickly I can do everything. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, and I learned this from Sarah Brazier, I think it was on a podcast she did. And I started doing this and then reflecting after the day, have I achieved everything in that day? If yes, great. If no, why haven't I achieved it? Was I faffing around? Was I Mila distracting me again? Why didn't I achieve it? And what can I do tomorrow so I don't run into that same mistake again? So doing that and just setting a routine for yourself and holding yourself accountable for it, but not so accountable that at the end of the day, you're going to feel really crap if you don't hit hit it. I think that really helps me, especially when I'm getting one of those modes where I'm a bit burnt out, maybe I'm struggling to do my day to day, just having that clear step by step structure, what to do throughout my day really helps me. It sounds like you're very deliberate, like nothing's left to chance in a given day. I'm naturally not an organized person. Um, I get distracted super easy. Um, I will start doing one task and then switch to another one. So in order for me not to do that, me literally being like, okay, well, from nine till 9.50, I need to do these 10 videos. I'm timing myself and I want to beat my record, obviously. So I'm like creating almost this competition with myself and being like, I have to do this here. And then my reward is I get my break, my 10 minute break or whatever it is. So I think that helps me stay focused and organized because if I don't have 
a day-to-day what to do. I probably just get a bit distracted. We'll maybe go onto LinkedIn for way too long. So at least blocking that out, make sure that I'm super hyper focused on what I need to do. And it means that I'm getting my activity done every day. Yeah. So for everyone that's listening to this, this is really based on a lot of the work that, you know, BJ Fogg has done with how to build tiny habits. You know, basically, I don't know if Charlotte even realizes what she's doing, but this idea of setting yourself up for this is what I'm going to be doing. You do it, you give yourself a reward and it creates this sort of habit loop that you start to build as a habit and the goal and the outcomes actually end up taking care of themselves because ultimately you don't control them. So I love that. You had also mentioned, what about Slack? Like, so you block off this thing for an yeah. hour and Slack is this no. thing that's always, you do turn, you turn it off. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I don't have my phone near me. I don't have anything. Like I said, I'm, I get super distracted. So I turn LinkedIn off unless I need to use it for my video. I turn Slack off anything that's going to distract me. I have all like pop-ups blocks from my laptop as well. So I can just be super focused on what I need to do. And I'll tell my partner as well, like, this is video time. Don't distract me. The only one that can get through is your mom. And everybody else is not, yeah. nobody. Your mom somehow will find a way. I, I, have a, I have a feeling she'll get. Okay. So you, you mentioned. Well, haven't you done more videos? <laughs> get back to that guitar. All right. So you also mentioned, you mentioned that you do, you also mentioned that you do research and that's a little bit of a time consuming part. You did a great post on this. I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. That could be a deep rabbit hole for people. I've seen people spend mm-hmm. a lot of time doing research and research, and you can overdo that. Talk to us a little bit about how you don't over-engineer that, how you get what you need, and walk us through that process a little bit. So firstly, I time myself. I always time myself because I'm super competitive, and when I'm not in the office, I can't compete against people. Like I do video races and stuff internally, but... For things like research, I'm not going to be like to someone, I'll race you to do 10 research steps. Um, So I time myself and do that. So that's number one. Not just so I'm not over-researching, but also so I can beat it. So now I can do my research. In comparison to a year ago, I'm very quick at doing my research. So just being able to constantly improve yourself by that little 1% every week or day or whatever. Um... I have the same like five, six things that I go to when I research. So Salesforce, I look in Salesforce, I look at the sales team, the structure, are they customer success heavy? Are they account manager heavy? Do they have a big SDR team? And I can create a hypothesis on that just alone. Then I'll look at their website. What are they selling? What is their sales cycle like? Is it like low prices? So it's quite transactional or is it big enterprise? Are they selling into multiple industries? They have multiple products, all these things that I can create hypotheses of. Also the careers page, are they hiring? Where are they putting their budget? What is the focus and the responsibilities of their team? And then the last thing I Google their name and I love that one at the end. And I used to forget to do this one and I wish I didn't forget to do it a while ago, but since like having it religiously in my research now, it's, it's yeah, goldmine. So these things don't actually take me that long. Salesforce, five seconds if there's not an op. Function section, sales and business development, a minute maybe to quickly scan through and have a look at the sales team. Um, And then I do all these different things and I write my notes in Salesloft, pin it to the top so I don't have to research that person again. I save them in Sales Navigator. So if anything crazy comes up, I'm going to see it anyway. And then I can add that into my research notes as of when. But overall, I'm only doing the majority of my research once. Um, 
And I think just by having those few things, those checkpoints to go through, knowing which areas you need to research, it helps you like stay consistent and not over-research. And as soon as I find one thing, I note it down and move on to the next. You don't need to overcomplicate it because at the end of the day, in my whole cadence, I might use maybe like two, three pieces of information that I find. I don't need all 50. And so you'll take this and you'll pin it like as an, in a notepad. For those of you that are not using SalesLoft, you can pin this as like a, like a sticky note to the prospect. So you, you always have it like a tile in a sense. Yeah. So it's like the notes section, you type your notes and then you pin it. So every time you go onto that profile, it's literally on the SalesLoft profile ahead of them. So you'll have your task to call them and the notes will be on top. Or well, I have to email the notes are there. So I know literally straight away what I need to be writing. A lot of the time as well, for example, um, in a step of our cadence, we have like a trigger email. And what I mean by this is it's personalized, but it's a template. It's 100% templatized. So if they're selling to IT, that's a template. Hi, I see you're selling into this persona. If they have really low prices, I'll be like, look, from looking at your pricing page, it looks like you have quite a transactional sales motion. I'm guessing these are the challenges. So these take a second to insert, but in my notes, my first one, I'm going to say what I want to focus my video on and then trigger what I'm going to send in that template. So when I get to that step, I know, oh, it's IT template or, oh, it's, they have a big SDR template, uh, just to make sure that I don't have to spend too much time on each step. So I'm getting the quantity out, but also the quality. Well, it's something else that you said, I think is really smart is you're doing all this at once, right? You're doing like 10 or 12 of these at one time, rather than doing research, making a call, sending an email, looking up on LinkedIn, getting yeah. into sharing. What's the thought process of why you batch this together? It's way more efficient. When you're on a streak of calling, I can't just do one off calls. I need to do all my calls. I need to do all my videos because you get in a flow and you start to get faster and faster the more you do things. So my research one might take me five minutes, but then my second one might take me four minutes, 50. And then I'm like, oh, I was quicker. And I'm going to keep trying to make myself quicker and quicker every single time. So you yeah. just get way faster the more you do it. So let's talk about how, so now we've done the research. We have this cadence that you norm, that you mentioned. When you say cadence for people that are might, probably asking like, what exactly is that? Nah. Is Can you walk us through a little bit of what, what those touches are? Yeah. So it's just a step-by-step -step process of phone steps, email steps, uh, LinkedIn steps, maybe like e-gifting steps, all the different channels that you're going to use just in one single place. So everyone can follow the same, not just so your team can follow the same structure, but also so your customers are getting the exact same experience from you every single time. Okay. So how are you using this research? Let's say um, on a call. So you've done this research, you've looked at these four or five different places. Talk to us a little bit about how you might look that, use that or leverage that on a, on a call that you make like a cold call. Yeah. So usually what I say in my video and we've been trying this recently and I'm, I'm doing a webinar tomorrow where I'm going to unpack this. We have been trying like low touch cool calls and then our normal cold calls. So a low touch call will be something like, and it might take a minute and you're just literally moving their eyes to the video you've sent. So look, I've been doing research on you. I found these two things interesting and I've sent you a video sharing what I think the challenges are that you're running into. I noticed you've not clicked on it. So if you have a minute today, wondering if you'd be willing to check it out, maybe you can give me a yes or no or feedback and we can save each other a bit of time. Mm. That, that's it. That's the call. 
And then a lot of the times they'll literally go into it and click on it, give them the subject line and they'll go back into it and click on it so they can then review it. Um, so there's those calls which have been working really well, like earlier on in the cadence, especially when you have like a triple touch and you don't want to over uh, exhaust your prospects. And then for a normal call, I'm just going to do like a permission based opener. Look, I'm doing some research on you for a while, uh, wondering if you have a second for me to explain why I've been trying to reach you for so long. Yeah. Okay, great. This is the research I've done. This would be my guess of your focus or challenges. And look, I know I've randomly called you probably in the middle of a bagel bite or in the middle of sipping your tea, but wondering if you have 10 minutes, if this sounds remotely interesting, maybe tomorrow or later in the week so I can share a bit more about this. Yeah. And is your, is your inclination to start with a video message or is your default to start with a call or an email? Is there any kind of thought or intent behind that? Yeah, video because, and it's different for our US team than in EMEA. In EMEA, people don't really know what sales loft is as much in the US. In the US, everyone has sales engagement, but we're always, <laughs> we're always so much slower in the UK with um, everything when it comes to tech. So a lot of them don't really know what sales engagement are and they're still kind of using Excel sheets and more of the older traditional methods. Um, so what we find is almost getting them to get curious with our names and sales loft and educating before then calling, which is why the low touch one, I think works really well for us. Um, we've tested different things and our video step used to be later on in the cadence, but that was producing most of our opportunities. Um, most of our opportunities, most of our revenue. So we, we moved it to step one. So now we just get most of our opportunities like from step one instead of step seven or eight. And so walk us through that. So that video message, you're obviously going to be leveraging some of the research as a first touch and the prospect would see like a thumbnail in their inbox yeah. with something to click or cut. walk us through a little bit of that. So my subject line is super short, maybe a word hiring or um, I'll put a person's name in their team. I'll be really short. And then my first line is going to be my personalization. So reading the job spec for the SDR role, Josh, and I'm, I put their name at the end, had a quick question, dot, 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 or how close am I with this hypothesis, dot, dot, dot. And then it will be a GIF um, through Vidyard. And it's my little face in the corner. And I, t I try a few things out. Recently, I've been trying to click on their LinkedIn picture. So it's big. And then I move my face next to it and I wave at them. And I'm like, hey, so the little gif is me waving at them or I'll get Mila involved and get her to wave at them as well, just to make it a bit more fun. Or maybe if they've been acquired, which is one I did today and they've had an acquisition, I had it me on their article, which spoke about the acquisition. And I was pointing to the title. So I'm, I want to speak about this. Um, that, because I think getting them to click is the big thing. It's... If you're just like, I made you a video for a C-level professional to take the time out of their day to click on it and view it is a lot. And in a world where they're getting so many sales outreach, we need to be making it more tempting for people to be actually clicking on our videos or reading our emails and stuff like that, which is why I'm really kind of specific about having a short subject line and Tay in the personalization at the beginning. So it's not just a generic video, me pitching my product. Mm. So that as a first thing. The prospects don't stand a chance when you have a gif of your dog. If you have a puppy or a dog, I, I mean, how's anyone going to, okay. So now someone clicks the video. 
And then mm-hmm. talk to me about how you message that video, because I agree, you know, the first question people ask themselves is, should I pay attention to this? So the gift catches yeah. their eye, the subject line catches their eye. If the answer to that question is yes, you get an open, you get a watch. The second question they ask themselves is, is this interesting? And then the final question is, should I respond? So let's talk about that second part, which is, is yeah. this interesting? What are you saying to stack the odds in your favor that someone will actually find what you're saying to be interesting. That's a tough one because getting attention is kind of easy. If you're doing what Charlotte's talking about, or you honk a horn, someone's going to pay attention for a second, but keeping the attention is a whole other thing. So walk us through that a little bit. So I get straight into it and I'm trying to keep my videos as short as possible. I don't say, hi, this is Charlotte from sales loft. And the reason I kind of cut all of that stuff. Um, I want to just approach it. If I, was trying to tell my friend something, I just get in straight into the weeds of it. So this is what I want to do. So I'll start it with the research that I've done and I'll share my screen using Vidyard on the research I've done. So a lot of the time it will be like, maybe for example, the one I did today, they'd recently acquired um, a company in Spain to, and it said in the article because they want to gain market share. So then I highlight that, I use Weaver, um, W-E-A-V-A, which is like a highlighting tool. So I'll highlight that. So the first bit of my video is reading. Sometimes I don't even say their name. I'm just like, look, I'm reading. Because I've said my, their name at the beginning of the email. I don't really need to say their name again. I'm reading your article, which spoke about your acquisition from this highlighted bit here. And I don't even need to read it out then because it's highlighted and I'm saving time. From this highlighted bit here, I'm guessing the goal isn't just to gain market share in Spain, but also the whole of EMEA. And from looking at your hiring page, then flick into the hiring page, from seeing the different locations you're hiring in, I'm pretty certain this is the focus, but poke holes if I'm wrong. Usually when I'm speaking with persona, sales leaders, marketing leaders, revenue leaders who have this focus, the issue that they run into is A and B. Wondering if any of these are top of mind with your growing sales team. Mm. That's it. And you kind of get into a rhythm of these and will you do all these videos at once as well? Same thing you do with like the research or, or the, you do that same thing? Yeah, it depends. Recently I've been like targeting, like being more like account based. So when I'm doing more of my account based, I'll do it a company at a time. So I'll go onto the company page and I'll do those three videos and I'll go into the next company I'm targeting and do those three videos. So it's kind of bulked into okay, I'm not switching to different focuses that I, I know the research, I have it in my head. It might be slightly different talk tracks um, because of their role, their seniority and stuff like this. But yeah, I'll do all the videos at once. And let's talk to us about follow-up. Everyone has a different opinion on this. Uh, let's talk about you send this video. Uh, I'm sure almost everybody responds, but let's say two people don't. I know Charlotte has extremely high response rates, but let's say happens that you've spent all this time um, and effort making this video and now you have this follow-up um, there's a popular one that I know everyone has been using from the beginning of time I believe I found out three weeks ago this is attributed to Justin Michael but I'm not a hundred percent sure this any thoughts question mark sort of bump up to the email yeah. there's, there's a lot of people uh, so what's your thought on follow-up uh, do you are you a proponent of that do you have a different approach I've tried so many, I've like, we can A-B test. So I've A-B tested probably every single follow-up email you can think of. I've tried gifts, 
Um, I've made a GIF of myself with a whiteboard being saying something on it, like any thoughts as well. And I've tried so many different things. I've tried summing up the video and being like the video above mentioned this, 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 wondering if it's worth a 10 minute chat. The one that gets the highest response without a doubt is any thoughts, um, which I find personally, I, I find it a bit robotic. I'd personally prefer, uh, a follow-up email which has shown they're doing like research and showing it's human but for some reason the any thoughts one for us without a doubt gets the highest responses i'm still testing stuff to find a better one but it still always comes to that i think i'm on like 17 percent reply rates for any thoughts and the other ones are like six percent so it's like dramatically higher why do you think that is I don't know. The thing is, you're just pointing them to the video and it's not like the video is generic and spammy or it's a really generic email. It's super personalized. Um, so I think just keeping it short and to the point, maybe because of that, but honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> so it's still in style. Any thoughts still working? Okay. So last thing I want to talk to you about today, and I know this never happens to you, Charlotte, these, these objections that the prospects have on the phone. I know this never happens. People don't ever raise objections. <laughs> But I'm sure you've uh -huh. heard. I'm sure you've heard a lot of them. You know, a lot of objections that come up. I want to talk a little bit about how you diffuse them, and then I want to talk a little bit about how you've get gotten good. Uh, we talk a lot in sales about consistency, but I always think that getting good is even more important because you can be consistent. You can make 200 dials and still not be good, um, but you've actually gotten mm. good. Um, actually, let's start there. Let's actually start with that. How did you get good? Like you're consistent, you have this process, but you've also gotten good at what you do um, across cold calling, across objections, across video, across all these different tools that you're using. Maybe this translates into how you get good on guitar and martial arts. How does one get good? Yeah, I ask, probably even today, I ask a million questions a day. If you look at our SDR Slack channel, a lot of the time it's just me asking questions and questions and so many more questions. Um, so that I'm constantly thinking of different things. I constantly question every single thing I'm doing, but I also review things and I don't just review it with my manager. I'll review it with some of the people in the US and some of the account executives, or let's say I'm targeting a really senior persona. Maybe I want to um, review one of my calls or one of my videos with our CRO to be like, would you reply to this? Or how do you think this went? What would you change about this? So I think the consistency is huge, but on top of that, constantly being like, what else can I do? Okay, my reply rates are high, but I can make them a little bit higher. And if so, what can I do? So I'm constantly questioning and thinking about new things I can be doing, but also the coaching element I think is huge, just constantly reviewing things. I review every single one of my discovery calls with our US SDR trainer, Colin, every single one I review with him so I can get better every single time. Are you looking outside of your organization to get good? Are you reading books? Are you listening to podcasts? Are you following other people? Or is it mostly internal reflection and internal resources that you're using? Yeah, podcasts. I'm less of a book reader. I've never been very good at reading books. I'm very slow at reading. 
I still read books, but um, so your mom was never on yeah. you about reading. Mom, if you're listening, Char Charlie's she mom. She, she doesn't like reading books either, oh, okay. so I, think I escaped that one. <laughs> but um, podcasts, yeah, honestly, whenever I'd go for a run, I'd listen to a podcast every single time. I'd listen to them constantly, and not just listen to them, write stuff down that they're saying is working. I'd try it out myself. So things like that I mentioned before, like just asking people who I'm connected to. Um, recently, I started asking a lot of people who I knew had sales engagement, whether it was us, outreach or another sales engagement. I was just asking them, like, what's the two reasons, the main two reasons why you bought sales engagement for your team? Just to ask them to see if are the top two things now the same as they were maybe six months or a year ago. So constantly just seeing, is there any changes, um, how I can be improving and just getting other people's opinion as well. I love that. Something you said that's really insightful, I think, is not just reading something or listening to something, but actually taking notes and then writing down how you might apply it. That's going to make this stick more than just listening and not doing anything. It's a passive versus active. What, what kind of podcasts do you listen to? Do you have some favorites to point people to? That you listen to? Yeah, yours was yours was my favorite for a long time. So and then it fell exactly down. And then it here. fell down the number five. And now there's some that are higher. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you my favorites um, as well. Let me see if yours are yours is the fa I have a favorite one that's sales. I want to see what yours is and we'll we'll compare. Thirty minutes to Presidents Club. That one's so good. Just they've they've smashed it. They've they've made it so engaging and actionable. Like when I was on the podcast, they they'd ask a question, but they'd dig into it more. They're like, okay, but tell me more about that. Explain your exact thought process and your process around it. So they know how to really drill in to understand what everyone's doing. So then the audience can go away and take that. Um, so yeah, I think definitely a favorite. Uh, Jason Bay's Blissful Prospecting I love. There's so many. Um, if you literally just Google top sales podcasts, there's loads. Also like marketing ones. Uh, I really like Chris Walker's one, State of Demand Gen. I find that one really interesting. And yeah, I think at first I wanted to listen to them to get into my persona's view. Like, what is the stuff that my persona's listening to and what do they care about? So I started that and then I was like, oh, this is really interesting. So I just continued listening to them. I love that. This, it sounds like you just are always looking for ways to get better and you're always reflecting and it's a, it's a constant thing. You're, it sounds like you're never satisfied with where you are in a sense. No, <laughs> definitely not. My thought process is that, okay, not only do I share everything I'm doing, but everyone's getting better constantly. So in order for me to stand out, I need to be getting constantly better as well, making small little changes. As soon as everyone starts doing voice notes and videos, it's not going to be as engaging for our buyers. So what else can I do on top of that to make it engaging? I think this is constantly in my brain. Like, how can I further stand out when everyone else is getting really good as well? Mm, I love that. All right. Final thing I want to talk to you a little bit about is this idea. Let's say you're on a cold call and maybe a prospect pushes back a little bit despite your research and despite your message. You might hear something like, can you send me some information or I'm not interested. Talk to us a little bit about how you go about diffusing those or responding to those mm -hmm. in a way that doesn't feel off-putting. Uh, let's just, maybe we yeah. can pick one of your favorites that you often hear. Maybe it's not a favorite, but one that you commonly hear. And let's just break that down a little bit in terms of your thought process and, and how you go about it. Uh, pick whichever one you'd like to, to talk about. Yeah. I think just like, oh, this isn't a priority for us or like, this isn't interesting for us right now. 
Okay, so prospect says that or to bad you, timing or whatever, yeah, on a, on a cold call, which is which is um, properly, you know, going to happen because remember from an outbound perspective, people are getting the job done. Right. This isn't top of mind, and maybe they don't yeah. see it as a burning issue. So someone says that to you, this isn't a priority right now. Um, doesn't necessarily mean it might not be a priority one day. It just means maybe not right now, or it could be a block, a brush off. Who knows? How do you go about getting uh, into the like, what's your mindset when you hear this objection of this isn't a priority right now? What's kind of going through your head? Of course, it's not a priority. <laughs> They've never heard of me like three minutes ago. So, of course, it's not a priority. They're busy. They don't. And the thing is, like, as soon as they take this call, they're in a sales cycle then. And they're salespeople, so they know how time consuming it is. So they don't want to be in a sales cycle. They don't want to be pitching this to their CRO while we need more budget for this. So, of course, everyone's instinct is like, no. Leave me alone. Um, how I like to approach it is, is I think if someone internally said to you this objection, like how would you handle it? And you would probably be more human and a bit more jokey as well. So I try and just do it how if a friend said to me, like if I said to them, oh, I've got this amazing birthday plan I'm doing. It's my birthday at the end of the month and I want to do this and this and this. And they said, yeah, it's not a priority for me. It's not interesting. I would approach it the same way. And I'm like, is can I just be really honest with you? Like when I'm speaking with everyone else and they're saying this isn't a priority, it's usually because whatever, like um, they're just trying to get off the phone as quick as possible with me or maybe that they've heard of us and they know it's not a priority. Which one do you sit in? And it's probably going to be the first one. Like, yeah, I just don't want to continue this conversation because you've caught me in the middle of something. And you're going to get the true objection because if they have heard of the space you're in, so sales engagement, if they've heard of this and it's actually not a priority because maybe they have a competitor or maybe they know about it and their sales team's not big enough yet, you're going to get that objection. But usually it's going to be the first one like, yeah, it's a fob off. And then you can overcome it the way. Yeah, I kind of I love this mentality you have, which is when you hear an objection, the idea isn't really to overcome it, but it's to just get to the truth behind the objection so you can actually perhaps um, address it. So this idea of like understanding and doing it in a very casual way. And also, I love what you did there about the multiple choice answers. Like, is it A or is it B? I think that makes it a little bit easier um, for people to answer. Um, do you also get to a point where you let go um, or are you more of a pit bull? Um, there's some common people like I have to hear five. I have to hear five <laughs> no, no's. But I have to hear five no's. I have to hear four no's. I have to hear three no's. Or do you like? Or is it more of a gut feel? Like, hey, this seems like if I push too hard here, I'm going to piss someone off and maybe ruin this forever. Or talk to us about that. Like, when do you know to let like let go? It's okay for them not to be interested. A lot of the times, I'll also be like, look, okay, you said this isn't interesting now, but are you okay with me still sending information around this? And if they say yes, just be like, well, out of these three things, what's most important to you? This one, look, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. And then I might add them to a nurture cadence or something and then hit them up in a few months time and be like, when we last spoke on the phone, you probably have no idea who I am, but I'm one of the many people you've spoken to before on the phone that you also shut down. You said this was important to you. And this is a really interesting document or here's an interesting post on it if this is still a priority for you or you're struggling with it then it might be worth a 10 minute chat 
love that you're playing the long game here, right? So when they're not ready right now, but might be one day, you put them in this automated cadence, and then you'll dip that, dip that, dip back into that bucket a little bit from time to time. Yeah, oh. it's all this uh, having a nurture cadence is like crucial in my opinion. I probably book at least one or two of my meetings a month from old people that I've engaged with and it hasn't been the right time. So having a cadence for people who I've spoken to or who have replied and said it's not the right time, I have a cadence with like just really useful content. Like here's a email structure that we get 20% reply rate from. Stuff like that, they're, they're actually going to find useful for their team. And what you'll find is that certain prospects will start clicking and engaging with stuff more than others. And then those are the people that I'm going to email and be like, look, I see you clicking all over this link is booking meetings a priority for you right now. And then you can start spurring conversations from seeing their activity. Do you put your content in that nurture campaign? You have so much content, like your videos, you're in there as well. So they're kind of, you're getting yeah, yeah. brand equity as well. They're kind of, you're familiar with them. Yeah. Love that. Charlotte, yeah. as usual, you've said it all. <laughs> you've really shared with us the keys and the secrets. Now here's the thing. You actually have to go do this stuff. And Charlotte, if people want to learn more about you, what do you got going on? Is there anything you're promoting? Is there anything going on in your life other than your martial arts and your guitar play? Maybe you're playing on stage. <laughs> I have no idea. What's going on with you? Yeah, a few side products, but one of the ones that I've just um, launched recently is my podcast. Finally, I have one called The Inbox, where I basically just dive into decision makers' inbox, what their calls, their emails, and their LinkedIn inboxes, what this all looks like and how we as salespeople can stand out from it. So if you're trying to stand out in your seller's inbox, not getting replies, then you can check it out. It's on Spotify or it's on my LinkedIn as well. Charlotte, thank you so much for sharing so much knowledge with the sales community. You are the best and I enjoy talking to you every single time. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks, Josh.